Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for June 10th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21. You can find me on Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore. You can find me for free horse racing picks on Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. And last of not least, free daily fantasy football tips during the NFL season at ETOF21. 2-1 sports underscore fantasy. How is everyone doing today? Can we believe it's June 10th? Boy, oh boy, time is just flying. It just seems like yesterday we were in the middle of the NFL season. Now we're doing NFL prep, and I love it. We have a great show for you today. I'm going to talk a little NBA, tell you guys what I'm seeing, what my thoughts are and everything. Then my boy Gino comes on. Gino and I are going to talk a little Belmont, who you should bet and why. Then Brandon comes on like he does every week, tells you NASCAR bets to lock in, and then my boy Jim comes on. We're going to talk a little CFL, talk a little USFL. But before that, I need to talk a little bit about the old NBA. First thing I want to talk about the NBA is this. Game one, the main issue was Jalen Brown. What the Warriors did to game two is they had Draymond Green switch over to Jalen Brown and Jalen Brown was in the dunker position, that allowed Draymond Green to wreak havoc underneath, just flow, be very physical, keep the war, keep the excuse me, the Celtics off the defensive glass, the offensive glass, excuse me. Then the Celtics adjusted by having Brown play more on the outside, thus drawing Green away. And the Celtics ate the offensive glass. It's going to be interesting to see what the Warriors are going to do to combat that? Are they going to have Gary Payton play more? Porter play more? Clemingo play more? I've been saying it forever. You need Clemingo to play more. Jordan Poole is so lost out there. And every time he hits a shot, every time Jordan Poole hits a shot, it's like a goddamn celebration. It's like, dude, you're not that good. Everyone's putting him on this Steph Curry type level. Did you guys see Michael Wright of NBA.com? All credibility is lost after two games. This guy had Jordan effing Poole rated number two. Number fucking two. Most likely to win the most valuable player of the NBA Finals. Are you fucking kidding me? We're talking Jordan fucking Poole? What game are you watching? All credibility is lost. Jordan Poole can't defend. He is so weak. He's so lost. Clayton Pritchard is taking Jordan Poole off the dribble. He's forcing up these shots. Everyone has, oh my God, the game three, they they hit him. He has Robert Williams on him. He dribbles for 11 seconds and make a, makes a layup. That's not Warriors basketball. It's the media's fault for putting Jordan Poole on this pedestal. If the Warriors have any, any aspiration of winning this title, less Jordan Poole minutes, more Clemenga minutes. And that's it. Because you cannot win with Jordan Poole out there. He is such a liability defensively. And then he showboats anytime he hits a three. He is nowhere near Steph Curry's level. I heard people saying he should be starting. Okay, you start him. Who are you taking off? Literally. Do you want Clay? Clay? No. Wiggins? No. Curry? No. Looney? No. Green? No. That is astronomical to think like that. However, I will say this. This is my take. If I'm Steve Kerr, what I need to do in this series is I need to have a lineup of Kaminga, Wiggins, Porter, 
Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. You put Curry in the pick and roll with Wiggins. That way you have a slasher in Wiggins that can finish at the basket. Then you have three shooters, Thompson, Kaminga, and Porter that can hit the three. Why aren't they doing that? For whatever reason, Kaminga can't get off the bench. And I really feel this is what's going to cause the Warriors to lose the series is that you're not using Kaminga. You are not using Mooney, you're having Poole in there way too much, and I think it's going to come back to bite him. Because I'll, I'll say it right now, Jordan Poole, he's not a max player. Jordan Poole is a bench player in my eyes right now. He may get to that level, but right now, that's what Jordan Poole is. So we need to kind of pump the brakes on all this Jordan Poole love because it's a little bit too much for me. Also, did you guys hear J.J. Redick? So J.J. Redick just bashes players in the 50s and 60s, but then when someone bashes his era and saying it isn't as tough as the 80s and 90s, he gets offensive. Dude, you just did the same thing a couple weeks ago when you bashed Bob Cousy. If you're able to dish it out, you gotta be able to take it. I understand your point and everything. As a player, you're getting very sensitive because you're defending yourself, saying that you could play in the era, but it's a different brand of basketball. It's really hard to compare because of the hand check rules and how physical it was. This is a more free-flowing game, up and down, running, which, I'll be honest, doesn't take much out of you as the physical game did. So I understand your point, but Redick, if you're going to dish it out and say that the players in the 50s and 60s were just policemen, firefighters, you have to be able to take it when that is given back to you. My next point and my final point is all this talk about shortening the 82-game season. Boys and girls, I hate to break it to you, but if you shorten the NBA season, what does that do? That creates less revenue in TV, concessions, parking, merchandise styles, thus an increase in ticket prices. I'm not going to lie. I'm a buck season ticket holder. Ticket prices are absolutely absurd. That's to the point where I'm probably going to shrink down and not do a full season, probably only do like a 20, 15 game package just because it's getting too much to go. Now you're going to shrink it down and all that's just going to do, it's going to increase my ticket prices. Another thing you need to look at with everything is you need to go to look at these players. These players are getting paid per game. When these players are getting paid per game, what does that do? If you decrease the game, it makes them get paid less money. That's why none of these players, LeBron, Luka, et cetera, et cetera, those type of guys are saying, hey, we need to shrink in the season because if they shrink in the season, their paychecks are going to shrink. If I you get paid $20 million okay, for an 82-game season and that gets shrunk down, to a 72 game season. So I'm doing the math right now. 20 million divided by 82, you get about 243,000 per game. But if that's divided by 72, now you're getting 2700 per game. You know what I mean? Like you're they're not going to pay you for less work if that makes sense. So what I'm going to do right now is $2700,000 multiplied by 82 so we got $20 million, $20 million per year divided by 82 games. You get paid $243,000 times that by 72. 
those players, they're going to lose about, if you're a $20 million player, you're going to lose about $2.5 million if the games get decreased. And we all know that this is a business. This isn't going to happen. It's going to be less TV money coming in. And because of that, it's going to be, are you ready for this? Less money to the players. And we all know the players are all about the money. So that's my take on the NBA, what's going on with the NBA, with the NBA Finals, and with the J.J. Redick stuff, and with shortening the season. I will say this, if you did listen to me on BTV, great night yesterday, excuse me, on Wednesday. But what we do, oh, one more thing. I am sorry, one more thing. The the cursing at Draymond. Now, don't get me wrong. Fans are going to be fans. They were chatting F.U. Draymond. And his wife goes on, says this whole thing about swearing, and then, Draymond says, swears in front of his kid. That just doesn't make sense to me. I really wish one of those reporters would have been like, hey, Draymond, what about swearing in front of your kid? But they didn't. It is what it is. That's something that stood out to me. That's kind of my thoughts on the NBA. If you did listen to me on BTV on Wednesday, great night. I will be live later tonight giving out my picks for today. But I'm going to say this. Take the Warriors to win the series. It's almost at 2-1. to one. Great price. I really think they win the game tonight. So make sure you look to do that. But we have a great show. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to welcome Gino to the show. And Gino's going to talk about what bets to lock in for the Belmont States. We have the Belmont this weekend. And like he's been for every leg of the Triple Trown, Gino has come on to tell us what bets to lock in. Gino, what's going on today, my man? Not too much. Just getting ready. I'm actually uh, heading out to Oklahoma this weekend for a buddy's wedding. So I'm getting all uh, all my stuff taken care of and I'll be flying into Dallas, then driving from Dallas over to Oklahoma. So I'll be uh, in uh, in Texas and in Oklahoma over the weekend. Oklahoma is one of the states I've never been to. Never been myself. So this never, will be a first. Never been to Oklahoma. Oh, actually, yeah. no, I take that back. I was there in college. Ne- yeah, never been. I was there in college. My, my, my bad. My bad. Um, so don't even remember it must have been a good time yeah well, must have been a good time I, I have a couple stories so um, <laughs> we're not here to talk about my escapades in college we're here to talk about some belmont um obviously the big news and you and i are um you and i didn't think that what's his face rich strike was going to be going no i didn't yeah um what what do you think about that I, i'm i'm glad he's running i i didn't think he was going to run back i will say I would, I will not bet him at all in this race and very, very unlikely that I ever bet him again. I think whatever his actual price and chances are of winning races will be just much shorter because of his, his reputation. If you look at his form coming in, he had never run any race in his life that was comparable or even close to what he ran in the Kentucky Derby. If that race was not on his page, he would be, the longest shot in this field, the longest shot in the field. There's a reason why he was 80 to one going into the Kentucky Derby. Cause a lot of these horses that he's been facing have been better than him, a little bit faster than him. And I have to make him prove it. I think he's listed at seven to two on the morning line and he'll probably be around three to one. Mm-hmm. I, I, no shot, like but no he- chance I would play him at that price. At, can he run like third or fourth? Yeah, maybe. I would be shocked if he won. And if he did, I would need so much more of a price than what you're going to get on him for me to feel comfortable. This was a stronger renewal of the Belmont and he was 10 to one because there were a couple other of the major epicenter early voting, you know, some other horses like good three-year-olds. I, I, 
I just can't. I, I, I would make a case for almost every other horse in the race before I would make a case for him. Um, between We the People, um, Rich Strike, and Mo, Mo Donovan, who do you think is going to close as a favorite? I think We the People will be favored. We the People has a very, very likely chance of getting the lead and going wire to wire. There's no other speed in this race on paper. There are no other horses in here who their running styles are front runners. This field is all horses who are like mid-pack. They want to kind of sit in the middle or closers. So we, the people, benefits from that. The problem, I have a couple issues with we, the people, and a few issues with him at a short price. I don't really know how good any of the horses that he's ever beat are or really competing against. Number two, his biggest win ever came in the slop. Now, it could be raining on Saturday. If it's raining, you probably want to upgrade We the People. But when horses run their best race ever on a sloppy racetrack, it's hard sometimes to know if know why they ran so well. And a lot of times it is because they like the, the way that the track is when it's sloppy, and like the other six horses in the race don't. And so that one horse runs well on it, and they look awesome when everybody else just kind of backs up. And... I, in, in the Arkansas Derby, he got, there was a lot of people at Oaklawn. He got really, really warm and kind of washed out in the paddock. He was all geared up and he just did not run a race at all. That was the only time he didn't win. He just did not fire at all. There are going to be a lot of people at Belmont Park. There are going to be more people at Belmont than probably that he saw at Oaklawn Park for the Arkansas Derby. If crowds bother him and he's the type of horse who gets keyed up, I might have enough knocks on a horse who's two to one, no, to not bet him to win. I don't know if I'd completely throw him out of exotics. Um, like Rich Strike, I won't be having Rich Strike in my pick fours or pick fives or anything like that. We the people will probably be on some. Uh, Mo the Donegal feel Mo Donegal feels to me again like the most likely winner of this race. Um, you know, I picked him in the in the Derby, Eric, and he he didn't run bad in the Derby. Yeah. He finished fifth. Uh, Rich Strike beat him in the Derby. Rich Strike was awesome in the Kentucky Derby. Now, everything I'm saying about Rich Strike, we cannot take away from him how good he was in the Derby. It's just one of those things where I'm going to make him prove it to me. Mo Donegal has proved in basically every race that he's run that he's really, really good. He's really never run a bad race. Every race that he's ever run before Rich Strike would have been been worlds better than Rich Strikes, except for the Derby, when Rich Strike was a little bit better than Mo Donegal. You know, not not even all that much. So I, if they're close in price at all, I, I'm going to lean again to Mo Donegal because he's the only one of the best three-year-olds that I really feel is in this race. Yeah, like, I kind of feel with Rich Strike, everything just kind of, the stars aligned. Stars aligned. Yep. Um, now, Nest is in here. What is your, What are your thoughts on the Philly? I don't love her. I don't hate her. Her price is okay. I like her more than I liked Secret Oath in the Preakness. Right? I, I wasn't really high on Secret Oath's chances in the Preakness. I didn't really like her there. Nest doesn't really have, shouldn't really have a problem getting the distance. Nest should probably get a pretty nice trip, too. After We the People, Nest might be 
then sitting maybe second, third, or fourth, like in that next little group. So I don't, I don't really have a problem with her. I won't be betting her to win. She might make her way onto one or two of my pick four and five tickets. If she is eight to one or above, that's where she should be. That's like what her chances of winning this race are. If she's 10 to one, then I think you start really talking about like, yeah, she's, she's got more ability than being 10 to one against this group because this is not the strongest group in the world. It's just not. So it's a good spot for her to take a chance. She's going to need to improve. She will. So how I interpret that from you, because I'm a pick six, pick five player, pick four. Mo, Dolligan, and we the people are pretty much it. That is right. Is there anyone else I should include? Creative minister. Creative minister. Okay. I like I like him quite a bit in this spot too. I think Mo Donegal might be the horse who, if you said, who do you think is the most likely to win the race? I would probably say Mo Donegal. Creative minister might be the most interesting bet in this race. You know, if he's over five to one and he just continues to get a little bit better. He was a good third in the Preakness. There was nothing wrong with the two horses who were in front of him. He wasn't in the Kentucky Derby. So he's not a horse who's trying to run, you know, uh, again, in a quick period of time after having run in a really tough Kentucky Derby, he's running back again after running the Kentucky Derby weekend. But he feels like the type of horse who's just stepping forward nicely and is heading into this race in a really good direction. So I don't have very many knocks on him. If you're looking for a horse to bet, that would probably be the one I would give out if he's anything five to one or over. Now, um, I always love these head-to-head, Matt. So just to confirm, you're going to have Mo Dolligan, Creative Minister, and We the People in your multi-wager tickets. One or two with Nest. Yeah. Okay, you'll throw nest like in a couple, and that's, now, and that's probably it. I don't really, I don't think any of the deeper, deeper long shots. I don't really like their win chances in this race. I think some of them can. Maybe we'll talk about some head to heads and who I like more, but I don't. I couldn't really get to any of the other longer prices winning this race. Now, um, in terms of betting, like for me, how I do it on race days like this, if. I'm alive in like the pick five, pick six, whatever. I usually just don't bet the race. Yeah. Now, I, I'm pretty similar. Okay. Now, yes. hypothetically, you're not, you're not, you're not alive. Are you just, if creative minister is over five to one, are you betting on him or is everything? Yeah, if, if Mo Donegal for any reason was like over f- like three, if, if he clicked to three to one, I would, I would bet him. Mm-hmm. If I think he's probably going to be five to two ish, two to one in my head, that's what he should be. So if he's over that, that's where my value would come in. Creative minister around five, like rich strike, I think is just going to be a massive underlay. He's trained really, really good coming into this race and can never take that derby win away from him. But I just got to make him prove it to me that he's this good. Now, if I can lock in seven to two, on Donegal right now, should I just do I, it? Absolutely. Okay. Do it. Yeah. Um. Now, one of the big things I love doing, um, you nailed them for the Preakness and for the Derby. These head-to-heads, love me some head-to-heads. The first one we have: We the People minus one twenty, Mo Donegal minus one ten. Um, would would this be a pass, or would you get involved in? This yeah, it would probably be a pass because, like, they're they're the two most likely winners of the race. I think. I just I would 
just rather play one of them to win if I was going to versus the head to head matchup like that. So yeah, I, that one doesn't jump out to me quite as much. I, I like golden glider a little bit better than Skippy Longstocking. Just Ooh. like if I were ranking them. So that one, I, I don't have a problem with um, at all. I, I think golden glider has got a little bit of upside I'm a tad worried about the mile and a half for him, but he's kind of a grinder that picks pieces up. I think Skippy Longstocking could maybe be a little more forwardly placed and then back up. So yeah, I would lean, uh, I would lean Golden Glider in that one. Um, Creative Minister and Nest. I prefer Creative Minister. I don't know if that price would be one that I would want to jump in on. Like the next one, I'd absolutely go Nest. Absolutely. I'm going to be on this one as well. Yeah. I think, um, you know, on the next one, creative minister, creative minister, a hundred percent over rich strike. Yeah. Absolutely. Like any rich strike head to heads, I would go the other way in any one of them because he's just shorter. If rich strike wins this race, you're fine. Um, getting beat by him. You're I'm fine. Wrong, you know what I mean? Like it's, if it's, he still should, he's going to win it at way, way shorter than what he should be. He should be like an eight or 10 to one shot winning this because he's still not proven enough off of that one race. If there's ever the type of race where something really crazy does happen, it is in the Kentucky Derby because there are 20 horses. Weird stuff happens. Horses get shuffled back. You get all sorts of trouble. It's not quite as, it's not quite as a useful as a tool Right. If, if football games were played against, you know, one team, there like there were five teams playing in a game, right. Versus judging games that are shorter. Like it's, it's like gauging like a, a Royal rumble versus a one-on-one, right. It's like, it's totally different with, with the way that the race shapes up. So I just, I would go on like a lot of these creative minister nest. Absolutely. Creative minister over rich strike is my favorite one so far that minus one Oh five. Uh, Barber Road and Nest. I mean, that's way too juicy for me. If I yeah, Barber Road here. Yeah, I, I don't. That one doesn't get me all that excited. Mo Donago, I love it, but minus one sixty price, I can't pay it. Play. Yeah, that. I really wouldn't want to pay that. Like, I wouldn't go. Like, if it was like minus one twenty, one thirty, I'd be okay with it. That's starting to get a little bit too high, though. Um, we the people minus same, same sort of thing. Like, I like both Mo Donegal and We the People more, but I would just rather bet them. And just fade rich strike then then lay the money in this particular the, the problem with the state a thing like that right is like in if you if you're trying to bet against rich strike and and all your betting are head to heads you know like we the people could have a bad break and be dead last and just and then you're just kind of screwed you you know so i prefer sort of just maybe not betting rich strike in as much or a couple of these head to heads but i maybe i wouldn't want to want to just attack every head to head. Um, yeah. The, we, the people Modonigal ones aren't enough enough juice for me. Uh, you know, we, the people, another big price over nest. I don't um, think that's enough on nest to like, for me to want to get in at the plus plus one twenty there. Um, oh, wow. Modonigal minus one seventy five. This is kind of interesting to me that he's shorter than we, uh, the people. Yeah, how that that's kind of a little bit of an interesting see like right? how I read this is they think Mo Donegal is gonna take more money. Yeah, which is yeah. kind of interesting to me. Yeah. So basically the head to head 
that Gino is telling everyone to hammer is creative minister minus 105 over rich strike. You can also take nest, but if you had to pick one of them, it would be creative minister, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. That that's probably the, the most fun wager. It's a bummer. I mean, the, the card is fine. The, I mean, the race is fine. And you, you've got eight there. The, the rest of the card, it's, it's sad. There's a lot of really small fields uh, throughout the card. It's not quite as juicy as some of the, the, Belmont's um, in years past. There are some big stars that are running, but we don't have a lot of 10, 12 horse fields, a lot of five horse fields. Why do you think that is? Uh, about 15 reasons. The first is the way that we breed horses from the very beginning and the, the ground up. We sort of race to breed and not breed to race. There are horses don't run very often. They skip big races. They worry about, they worry more about making money in breeding because it's it's become more of a business than it than yeah. it has. And I understand why people would do that if you're if you're someone who has a lot of money and you're using this as an investment. But what ends up happening is it hurts the actual horses. You have horses that run less; they become a stallion. How do we know if this horse is durable? How do we know how good these horses are if they've only run four or five times? They've never really been tested, and then they go and produce a bunch of other horses that all of a sudden aren't very durable either. Moving forward, yeah, horses. Um, we're really worried about getting speed out of horses at a very young age instead of breeding a more durable horse that's got more stamina. The Japan breeding uh, industry has just knocked us right off of our feet. They've absolutely demolished us in the way they do things. Horse racing overall, it's sort of a bummer. It's like kind of how I feel like about baseball. It's run by people in the that are kind of stupid. Like they, most of the people that are in places of power that make big decisions are either not gamblers or they don't care about their gamblers and the customers and the people that are betting their money all the time. And it's a really big trickle down effect all the way. It hurts the horsemen. It hurts the horse population. You and I could sit here and have hour long conversation alone about all of the different things that need fixing. It's just, unfortunately, they know they need fixing and they don't care or do anything about it until a day like this happens and it's like oh wow there are short fields all around and then people start acting like there's a problem it's a little bit of a bummer gino thanks for taking time out i know you know you got a battle wedding this weekend you got the you got the nba finals thanks for taking time out why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media always buddy uh it's me gino bees where you can follow me on twitter all sorts of content there anything anytime you need help handicapping races uh, i'm over there providing insight information we'll be shifting our focus pretty soon when basketball stops talking a lot more football so eric's gonna be uh helping me out we'll be doing football previews team previews win totals divisional stuff fantasy stuff on my podcast that's what g said probably some live stream stuff with you and then a lot of stuff with better than vegas yep it never stops i'm looking forward to transitions to football um enjoy oklahoma and thank uh, you buddy You know, let's make some money this weekend, my friend. Good luck, everyone. Maybe I'll have an Oklahoma story or two uh, like Eric. That was Gino. Make sure you give Gino a follow. I cannot thank Gino enough. Gino really has made me come out of my comfort zone with all this live streaming podcast stuff. You know, I got that live show I'm going to be starting up. So make sure you check that out. And it's all because of Gino. Gino really made me come out of my comfort zone doing all this stuff. So I can't thank Gino enough. So make sure you're giving Gino a call at it's me gino b on instagram and at gino bacala on twitter great guy knows his stuff many sports football basketball horse racing great dude so make sure you give gino a follow now we are going to shift our attention to nascar 
So we've reached the time of the podcast where we talk NASCAR and who else to come on than Brandon. Brandon, we almost hit it out of the park last week, but Chastain, Rainey, who else? Kyle, like Bush. Bush. I mean, it was just, it was just one of those races where we were so close yet so far away, my friend. It was sad because we sat here and basically threw Logano under the bus. Biho was all about Kyle. Kyle was winning. Logano pulled it off. So, you know, props to Logano. But I mean, yeah. I guess the, the big whale in the room is Chastain. Is this going to be where payback is had by Hamlin? And do we look to fade him? So, payback, I don't see payback coming out the road course only because the chance of those guys consistently being around each other could be slim. I'll, I'd like to make that decision after qualifying. Um, I don't think you'll see any payback from Chase because Chase gave him gave Chastain the payback during last week's race. Mm-hmm. Um, major respect and props goes out to Chastain to get out of the car and basically tell everybody, I effed up. I overdrove multiple times, ran into everybody, my fault, and I would like to go to each individual to apologize, which I get huge respect. But to Hamlin's point, you can apologize all you want, but I'm going to get mine at some point when I need to. You're just not going to know when it's coming. So what you're saying is hold off. Hold off in the this course. Um, wait. I think next week they have off, and then the following week look to uh, – I'm not big on Chastain at the road course in the first place. That's why I wouldn't – if you want to fade him just in general, you can, but I wouldn't fade him based off of the Denny Hamlin incident. Now, there's not really that many head-to-heads up because we're recording a little bit earlier, but the two guys that I'm looking to fade in this road course are, number one, Ricky Stenhouse. You know, just looking at it, average finish of 20 in 13 road courses, um, eight top 20s he's only led one flip and lap yeah no best finish 11th worst finish 37th two dnfs um you know kind of looking to fade stenhouse and then i'm also kind of looking to fade dylan average finish 19.8 in 12 races one top 15 um seven top 20s one um lap lab uh, best finish 10th, worst finish 34th, one did not finish. How do you feel about fading those two guys? This fade, them, fade them both. Uh, Dylan is not – road courses are not his thing. There's a reason at least Bovada has him at 100 to 1 before qualifying. At any oval, you'd see him probably 40 to 1 or in between that area. But sitting at 100 to 1, we all know that this is not going to be his his track, his cup of tea at all. Now we're going to pull up our odds on Bovada. Um, you know, just looking at um, looking at these odds. One of the one of the ones I did want to ask you about is you know Kyle sitting at ten to one, and the thing that has me worried a little bit about Kyle this week: thirteen road courses, average finish seventeen point four, zero wins, five top five, six top tens, eight top twenties, forty seven laps led, but he has two DNFs. Um, is that probably like, no, it's any other track you grab Kyle at 10 to one, any oval I'd sit here all day with you and say, we need to hammer him, but he did have a good race last week. 
to your point, he has not won this road course. It's just not it, – it's not for him. So even though it looks appealing, I know Biho is not going to like it, but definitely fade Kyle when it comes to winning this race. It's not going to so happen. What is I have three guys I'm looking to be invested in. What's the first guy you're looking to get? get, get Call me a homer, everybody do it. But I am pounding Chase Elliott this week. Um, yeah, it's a road course, and he's dominated road courses for years now. Not with the new car, he hasn't been so great yet. But, um, I'm definitely hammering Chase. You guys know that I normally don't like to only bet five to one. That seems really, really low. But since I'm really not sprinkling my money out this week amongst five or six drivers, I'm hammering Chase. So that's going to be where I start. My first one is I'm going to Truex. I, I know I said I was going to quit him, but at 10 to one, just looking at his average finishes at Sonoma, average finish of two, he's led 32.4% of the laps at Sonoma the last three races there. Then they're just looking at his production at road courses, 13 races, one win, five top fives, best finish, obviously one, one DNF, but just looking at the history, Elliot, Hamlin, Truex, Larson. Those are the four best road, road drivers. No, a hundred percent. And I'm going to get him at the lowest price at 10 to one. Oh, actually, Hamlin's at 14 to 1. Excuse me. I'll take Truex 10 to 1 all day. Yes, I am with you. Um, but real quick, I just said that with Hamlin sitting at 14 to 1, do we get enticed there? Or are we kind of worried about now you said it couldn't happen, but it's lingering it, the issue with him and Chastain. It it's lingering. Um, the fact that he just won Charlotte, I don't see him coming into Sonoma and dominating. Um so, again, kind of like Kyle, it looks enticing, but I'm not jumping on the Hamlin wagon out of road course. Okay. There are my next pick, which I'll keep it short and sweet. He's 9-1, to one, still kind of low. The Dinger himself, magic at road courses. He just dominated the road course on Saturday out in uh, Portland, Oregon, I think it was. Um, the Dinger, he's good at all road courses. And Cowed Racing – has shown up this year shockingly. So at nine to one, I am all in on the dinger. You so. have to be, you have to be any road course, you have to be all in on dinger. I think a couple of years ago, I think we got a home at 18 to one on a road course where it was great. Yep. I wasn't gonna shop around. I know I think DraftKings had them at 12 to one. I'm sure Bet Online will have them a little bit lower. So I, I'd shop around, but dinger, anything over nine to one would be the lowest I'd be willing willing to pay on dinger and i will tell you this i would almost i would almost hold off he hasn't always been the best qualifier but he learns the track as he goes so i wouldn't be surprised if after qualifying if he qualifies outside of the top 10 if that nine to one doesn't go up now one guy i'm gonna be betting on is william byron i'm looking at him his Stats aren't the best here just because he's crashed. But last year at Sonoma, he had one of the fastest cars on the track. Yeah. And I think he's being a little bit overlooked in the market. 18 to 1. I really like him here. What's your take on him? Yeah, 100%. He was the fastest car until he crashed last year at this track. So I do like him at 18 to 1. 
Um, I'm going to go back up a couple rows. Another man that was a ringer at road courses in the Xfinity series showed up last year at Coda until he crashed in the cup car. Austin Sendrick in the number two at 16 to one. If I had to compare a guy close to AJ, if it came to road courses, at least in the Xfinity series, I would jump on Austin Sendrick all day. So I am rolling with him at 16 to one. Now I read this tweet and I'll give credit where credit is due is from I fantasy race. And I found it really interesting. I wanted to get your take on it and Henrik equipment at road courses. Alex Bowman has finished in the top 14 in 13 of his 16 starts in 10 of those. He finished between eighth to 14th at Sonoma in a Hendrick equipment. His average finish is 10.7. That's, I mean, what do we do with that information? Is that just okay, whatever, or is that twenty-two to, me, to one? You know, to me, it's, to me, it's okay, whatever, because it still tells me he can't close the deal. Like he's having good finishes, but if you're not finishing one-two in thirteen or fourteen races, I don't know how much I want to hammer that at twenty-two to one when he hasn't been able to close it out. Okay, I just i I like the consistency aspect of the stat. But unless you're talking consistency and winning these races, I can't invest in that. Now, what about someone like a Kurt Busch um, at Sonoma? Average finish of 6.4. In three of his last races at Sonoma, his finish has either been sixth or seventh. The thing is, at road courses since 2018, minus COTA, where he had problems, his average finish is 9.9. Is Kurt Busch someone we'd look to entertain at this track? No. It, again, it's it's not, it's another one of those nice stats. It's like, hey, top 10, average finish, but where's the win? You see a win amongst those. Do you see a second place amongst those? You don't. So if you're sprinkling around, sure, grab somebody like him based off of numbers like that. But I'm looking at guys that consistently win road course races. Chase, Dinger, Cindric, Truex. Like those picks that we have so far, they all have multiple wins at road courses under their belt, whether it's Xfinity or Cup or both. They're consistently there every single road course. Byron, not necessarily a win, but was the fastest at Sonoma until he crashed. So I like him when it comes to a road course. I like to bet the guys that have been in victory lane multiple times in some sort of equipment. I don't care if it's a truck. I don't care if it's Xfinity cup, anything, either you're good at a road course or you're not. And that's just what it sums up to be. Now this guy, you know, you kind of rolled his eyes during our pre-production when I set him to you. Taking Eric Jones at 40 to one, man. And this is why. This is why. Just hear me out. Tell the people. Average finish, six best average finish of nine and a half. Average start, 25. So he's starting in back. He's getting to the front. In 2019, he started 32nd and he finished eighth. His last three races, finishes of seven, 14, and five. He's running better. He's qualified poorly, and he's finishing toward the top. Just listen to these drivers. 
Best finish at Sonoma. Average finish. Truex. Next one. Kyle Busch. Next one. Kyle Larson. Next one. Denny Hamlin. Next one. Ryan Blaney. Number six. Eric Jones. So, I mean, he's right up there with the big boys. No, and both you and I like to grab somebody that's 40, 50, 60, 70 to one every week that we think has an opportunity to pay us out. And I would roll with you with that, Eric Jones. Again, it kind of go it, it defeats what I said a few minutes ago that he doesn't have a win under his belt. But when the odds are that high at 40 to one, and you're having that consistent of finishes and you have a top five, I like it. Now, I will tell you guys this, whether you bet him or not straight up, he will absolutely, if he qualifies outside the top 17, 18, I will 100% grab him in DraftKings. His stock will be so low, people will not grab him. So if you don't bet on him now, definitely have him in your DFS lineup. I'm seeing if they have any top 10s out right now. Um, top 10. There you go. Um, wow. William Byron is even money. Wow. Plus 180 for a top 10. I like both of those. You know what? I usually don't play top 10s, but at plus 180 with Eric Jones, to me, that's got value. What's, uh, what's uh, completely off, but what's the top five for Eric Jones right up above it? Um, six to one. Okay. God, that's just got to be insulting, dude. Just Kozlowski, just right, right by you. Just, yeah, which that's where I don't understand Vegas or uh, yeah, I don't understand where, how the odds are even created because you get Kozlowski at like 70 to one to win the race, but you're telling me he's six to one to get a top five. Yeah. This is just obviously a misprice by them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll definitely be on EJ in some shape or form. The thing with him is, He's historically qualified so bad that I think we'll get better odds if we just hold off for qualified. I, but someone I, with Truex, someone like your boy um, Elliot, I feel that we need to lock in pre-flop. You do. Now, if you scroll back down to the top 10, I'm still rolling Harrison Burton. I, I've been doing it. You like Burton at top 10? No, not yet. That's what I was looking for. Where's he? Seven. No, never mind. I thought he'd be way up. He's 50 to 1 for a top five. And to win the race, he's probably 300 to 1, which I'm still rolling with my dude for no reason, except I'm hoping he can cash out. 250, 250 to 1. God. 250 to 1, dude. He's got the Penske equipment. He's just not. He's oh, not. No, just, that's for a top two finish. My fault. Oh, my bad. My bad. My bad. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to shortchange your boy here, dude. My fault. Um, three hundred. Where is that? I don't see him. Third one up in the middle. There you go. So I'm telling you, guys, I'm still. He, he's not good at road courses. I'm telling you, I'm still hammering him every single week until that rookie pulls off a win. I'm really he's been running good. I mean, we, we both agree it's only a matter of time. Um, you know, and who knows, maybe this will be the one. So just to recap, we're gonna be fading Stenhouse and Dylan and head to heads. There's no Stenhouse and Dylan head to head matchups coming on. 
I have Truex at 10 to 1, which I'm going to lock in now. Yep. Byron at 18 to 1, which I, which I, you know what? I'm going to lock in Byron right now, too. I would absolutely lock in Byron before. Look at, let me see what Byron's average starting position here is. Oh my God. Average starting position, two and a half. So I definitely got to lock in Byron right now. One guy I did want to touch on who's a good road course driver who we cashed in the Daytona road course last year. Your mom's favorite driver. What about Christopher Bell? I like him. Um, if you scroll back up, I think his odds are 16 or 18 to 1. 16. 16. I'd rather put my money on the Cindric at 16 to 1 right now than the Bell. But if Bell doesn't have a good qualifying and those odds jump up to 20, I wouldn't mind grabbing him. He is a good road course racer. He is somebody to look out for. Um but when I see two drivers at the same cost and I favor one over the other and I'm not sprinkling a bunch and I'm, I'm hammering Elliot this week, then I'm just sticking with one and it's going to be Cindric. But if you are somebody watching this that you're like, yeah, I really don't know about Cindric, then absolutely jump bell. But don't grab them both unless you're sprinkling around and not hammering one driver. So just to confirm, I'm going to – Lock in Truex now. You're going to lock in Elliot now. I'm going to lock in Byron now, but I'm going to hold off on Jones. Dinger, you said to wait because he he historically doesn't qualify well here. Correct. I'm locking in Cindric today at 16 to 1. Because we both know. I mean, let's be real, Eric. If Cindric qualifies top five, he's not going to be at 16 to 1. They'll drop him to nine or eight or something like that. Then it's not worth it at that point. Now, what we're going to start to do is my cutoff point for since for those of you that whatever didn't are listening to this late. My cutoff point is 12 to one on Byron. If Byron qualifies good, does gets below 12 to one. Yep. I'm not going to invest. Truex, 10 to 1. This is as low as I go for him. Jones, 40 to 1. If and we you, myself, and Brian kind of talked about this. I am not going to bet a driver at worst odds after qualifying if that no. no, it's I missed the price. And with live betting, I can get the price easily. Yeah. I have to. So that's when the game comes in. You kind of have to look at historically how they've done. Because case in point, your boy Chase, I'm looking at right now, he has an average qualifying to three. You have to get that. You have to get that bad boy in there right now because that's gonna that's gonna drop. I'm trying to find Elmarola here. Where is Elmarola? Did he run Sonoma last year? Uh yeah, he had to. Oh my God! Listen to this. Last four races at Sonoma. Guess who has the best average finish? Almendinger. I mean, uh, even better. Almarola. Even better. Talk dirty to me, Eric Jones. Brat. Oh, Eric Jones. Talk dirty to me, Eric Jones. Last four races. Oh. I cannot. It's not showing me Dinger. Maybe my old eyes are. So my Dinger. Old- Dinger might have not ran in the Cup race last year. So, uh, re- recent races at Sonoma. These are the guys with the best average finish. Eric Jones, 
Kevin Harvick, Kurt Busch, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott. Those are your top five. So I definitely am liking my Eric Jones. Of course, we're going to look to fade Bryce Kozlowski. So that's it, guys. Uh, Hopefully we get some better luck. Right here, average starting position, 11. So if he fit, if he starts eleventh, I really don't think that the odds will he, change. The odds will change that much. Christopher Bell, though, average start is twentieth. If that's what I'm saying, twentieth, and that floats up to about twenty to one. I look to get invested in Christopher Bell. Yeah, of course, yes, absolutely. It's weird, man, because I feel Vegas just recently started really adjusting these odds after qualifying. Like you used to, year after year, you'd see like a little movement, like a. A nine to one would go to ten to one, or a nine to one would go to an eight to one. But they're swinging. If you didn't lock in, um, gosh, who was it last week? Is either Chastain or Bell or somebody? If you didn't lock him in before Chastain. qualifying, yeah, he dropped. He dropped, and that's what we're saying. Like we locked him in, I think at twenty to one or whatever, and he was dropped nine, dropped nine. nine to one. There's no point in betting that. In my no, opinion. you you no. missed the boat. You move on. You live to fight another day. So, Brandon, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Right below on the screen, Boston Boy 83 Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, all of it. Now, we cash some bets, man. Now, real quick before we uh, before you sign off, as a Celtics fan right now, what's going through your head? F Draymond. <laughs> what's going through your head? Um, I'm pumped right now but i really feel the way to win this series is winning winning game four now the bigger question is did you follow my tatum over five and a half assists by last night i did there you go easy money easy money right there all right buddy uh you enjoy the rest of your week i will talk saturday night when you myself and brian will be on btv make sure you guys check that out let's cash some tickets let's make some money boys and girls we're in it Guys, make sure you're giving Braden a follow at BostonBoy83 on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, some people are just good dudes. Brandon's a good dude. About a couple years ago, he reached out to me, said, hey, if you need someone to talk NASCAR, I'm your guy. Been a rock ever since. Uh, great friendship has formed. Uh, really good guy. Make sure you're giving him a follow. Knows his stuff. Insane Boston sports fan when it comes to Boston sports. He knows pretty much everything. So make sure you give him a follow at BostonBoy83. Now let's switch over and let's talk a little CFL and some USFL with my boy, XFL Jim. So now we're at the part of the podcast where we talk a little USL, a little CFL, and who else to come on and talk about it than the man, the myth, the legend, XFL, USFL, X-League, CFL, Jim. Jim. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great. We got CFL on. We got USFL on. Ah, spring football is alive and well. Oh my Go, god! Rolling into summer football, dude, which is great. Which is great. I heard uh, Carson Wentz's OTA was a train wreck today, which is always a plus. That's hilarious. Always so, a fun time. But uh, you know, we're not here to talk about Wentz. We're here to talk about USFL betting and some CFL betting too. I have a. I'm going to call it a fantastic four parlay I want to share with you. But uh, I'm intrigued. I'm excited. You know, that's, uh, let's jump right in to the old 
lines. We're going to go to the line. We're going to use our friends bet online. We're going to start off with the New Jersey Generals against the Michigan Panthers. This line's sitting at 47. Um, oh, sorry, the over-under is 47. The line's sitting at 7.5. I'm really tempted to take the Panthers here. Interested to hear what you think. Gosh, dang it. This is a tough one. Does Paxton Lynch improve in his now third start of his USFL career? Possibly. I am just I I'm gonna just completely back these generals though. They're heating up they're like they're wanting to go into the playoffs strong too. And even with Luis Perez being like their full time starter at the moment, I think they're good enough to just roll over the Panthers, who I could very easily see being depleted and deflated after losing their playoff spot. Uh and like just being fully booted out. Give me the generals minus seven and a half here. What about the over under? Don't you feel that's a little high? It does feel really high. Uh, it's so tempting, though, because the Generals can score. We just saw the Panthers give up a buttload of uh, of points, but that was to the Stars in like their best game of the whole season. I would lean under here. Actually, I'm back. I'm I'm off the full yes. over train because I went two and two with them last week. I'm I'm on the under here in this one. You got to, I love, I it's love close though. It's close. I, I love the under. I feel it's a little inflated just because you're right. They did play the stars and the stars offense is just like you said, it's just clicking on all ends. You, and these teams both have really good defenses. Yeah. Yeah. Generals D line is insanely good, but you know what? It's hard for me as a gambler not to take the seven and a half here. It's, it's really easy hard. for me to fade the Panthers generals all day, baby. I got, I, you know what? I, I, I like burden money, so I'll take the I'll take the Panthers. Marching on. Um I'm a, I, you know what? You know how I feel here. Oh boy, that's I feel like that's gotten up since we looked at it last time. Bovada, I believe, has it at 13. That's still oh god. So you're talking about the Houston Gamblers versus the Stallions. With one the gamblers, of the worst teams versus the number one team. Yeah. With the gamblers getting 12 and a half over under a 43 and a half. The Stallions have basically have cemented where they're going to be coming off a comeback from behind victory over the New Orleans Breakers. Oh boy. Oh buddy. Oh buddy. Oh boy. I've talked about this game for weeks now. And I said, if the Stallions are losing one game, it's this one. And I'm going to take the 12 and a half. I'm going to take the gamblers on the money line. I'm going to take under. I'm going to take the under 43 and a half. I agree with you on all three. And you know what? On Bovada, they have first half. I believe it is at seven. So we, I, I say we take the gamblers plus the seven too for the first I half. I like that. I like that play way better. But mm. I think this is where this is. This is the one inexplicably where the, the, the Stallions one. trip up. This is the one where it gets a little dirty. And everyone's um, left scratching their heads being like, what the hell just happened? And then you can just say, welcome to the USFL, baby. That's right. The game was already out of playoffs. They have nothing to play for. The Stallions, they're already locked in. They're looking ahead. It's, it's, it's perfect. Next game. We're to Sunday now. Excuse me. Um, We got the Bandits getting three over under 43 and a half. Are the bandits technically still still in the game? They are. 
so the Bandits have to win out in order to make the playoffs. Um, they would have to win this one and next week against the uh, Stallions. But they have to win this one in order to do it. This is for a playoff spot for both these teams. So uh, what's Breakers, more Breakers are winning their in. What's more realistic? The Bandits winning out and getting in or Jailer responding to one of my DMs? Probably the second one there. Probably the latter. Okay. Right. I just uh, – the whole MO for Tampa has been they beat the bottom teams. They beat the – they've only beaten the Maulers, the Gamblers, and the Panthers. That's it. Yeah, they're, they're the bottom feeders. They beat on the bottom feeders. They're basically they're – the, They're the mid-team. They're the, they're the, like, benchmark team for they're everybody. They're the Indiana Hoosiers of the yeah. USFL. Yeah. You know, I mean – Give me the Breakers minus three all, all right. day. I agree with you. I like the Breakers minus three here. Give me my third under in a row, by the way. Excuse me, you're gonna take the under here at 43 and a half? I'm taking the under. Are you feeling okay? I dude, I'm I'm maybe I'm overcorrecting. Um, I like the breakers here minus the three, too. I I don't know. I'm I'm really spooked about taking this over, so I think I'm gonna pass. Um the next one we got America's team, the Maulers, getting eight and a half against the hottest team in the USFL. You can find them, as Jim has been saying, at plus 500 or greater in the future market. Lock it in. Eight and a half, laying eight and a half against the Maulers, over under 48. What do you think here, my friend? Well, first off, over. It's a Stars game. Give me the over. I don't care if it's the highest over. Uh, give me the over. I mean, the Stars are just on fire. The Maulers are the worst team I've ever seen in a spring league. It, worst it, team ever. That's why I love them so much. I don't. I don't understand it. Give me the stars. <laughs> Give me the stars minus eight and a half. You kind of have to. You know what I mean? Like, I'll because I love this team. I'll probably bet them. I know that sounds awful, but or it makes me feel bad. bad for you. But you know, I have this great Pittsburgh Maulers T-shirt that I want to wear after they win. They got the one. That's all I needed. I just needed that one. I'm so happy they did it. That was their only chance against the Gamblers. There was never going to get another one. If I would be, if sure. they hadn't won that game, I would be sweating so hard oh having to God. eat a can of cat food at the end of this season. Oh my God, dude! I I am happy for you that you don't have to do that because that would have been brutal. <laughs> That would have been brutal. That would have been the worst. I would have felt for you just watching you do that. Oh, my God. Now, something else. If you if Sumlin or Fisher were the coach of the Maulers, would they be better? They'd probably have one or two more wins. They have, a, like, a pretty talented roster. But both of those guys have shown, like, like, I would argue the Michigan Panthers had a fairly talented roster. And Jeff Fisher hasn't done much with that. Um. I would probably say they maybe have one or two more wins, okay. which isn't saying much. Like those those guys aren't proving themselves to be doing a really good job either. Now, one thing we're going to start doing is we're obviously since the CFL is in full fledged, and Uncle Jim does know a CFL. We're going to talk a little CFL. Come out a couple of little CFL plays. I like it. I'm here for it. Give me the CFL plays, baby. Now, here we have the. Ottawa Redbacks, who you've been touting as a good team to get behind for futures, getting nine and a half with the over-under of 48 against the defending champions. Opening week of CFL, I'm taking every single over. This this league just exudes points. 
I'm also taking Ottawa plus the nine and a half. They're a very scrappy team. Um, I feel like they're going to be a very improved team this year coming into this year. And the Blue Bombers, they might get like a Grey Cup hangover. I still think the Bombers are the best team in the CFL. I still think they're going to make the Grey Cup this year. I think the Red Blacks are going to be scrappy and give them a fight. I love the nine and a half. Three, the, the money line's a little, um, I, I really think Winnipeg's going to win this game, but I think it's going to be by a touchdown or less. Okay. I love Ottawa here. I'm going to be on Ottawa all day. My one thing is, and I said this on on the show that we do earlier in the week, 12 of the last 18 have gone under for the Blue Bombers. Does that worry you at all? It does. It, it honestly does. That defense is really, really good. <laughs> um. But it's opening week of the CFL, baby. Let it happen. I will advise people to probably take the under or just don't bet it at all because opening week is kind of crazy. But I'm I'm betting the over. Now, we kind of saw it in um, the game today that's going on now between Montreal and Calgary. Stuff can flip on a dime. I mean, it was tied at 14. Montreal had that big run by the backup running back because their starting running back got hurt. And then a pick, and boom! Next thing you know, now they're not Montreal, who is this league shaking, moves fast. The, C- the CFL moves fast. Yeah, I mean, stuff can flip on a dime. I am advising my people if you're watching this live, I will be live betting Calgary at this moment. So this, if you're watching this in the future, this either looks really stupid or really smart. But I am live betting Calgary right now, money line. You know what? I'll probably say really smart because uh, I, really I have Calgary so. too. Uh, next one. The Tiger Cats against the Rough Riders. We've seen this line move. It was This was one and a half. Now it's to two and a half. What say you, my friend? I, I like this even more. I, I It really does deserve to just be a pick them. These teams are more evenly matched than almost any team in the CFL. Um, if that's the case, I'm taking Hamilton. I like the defense. I like there, I like what they have in Dane Evans at quarterback. He is a rock. He's very consistent. Meanwhile, for the Rough Riders, you have Cody Fajardo, who's a goddamn coin flip for whether or not he's going to be Wild Bill or just th- turning the ball over left and right. I want some consistency. I'm just – I flipped my coin. It came up bad. So give me Hamilton. Give me the Ticats, baby. You know what? I'll probably stay away. I was going to take the Rough Riders last It's a tough week. game. Last night you talked me off of it, so I'm, I'll use my weekly pass on this one. I also um, don't hate the uh, the under in this game either, but I am taking the over. Uh, the last game, it obviously is the game of the week. <laughs> the Edmonton one. Elks. Oh, buddy. The Lions. You know what? This game was at three. Now it's drifted all the way up to the Elks, getting four and a half. Money line plus 160, over under 40. A juice to the over. What say you, my friend? I mean, we've been talking about this. I feel like I've talked about this multiple times this week with many different people. These teams are the bottom two teams. They're not that much different, but I am way higher on Edmonton than I am BC. Give me the plus four and a half. Give me the money line of Edmonton. I agree. All day. I, my, my football rule is when two shitty teams play against each other, Always, always, always take the points. Always take the points when two shitty teams play against each other. That's just one of my rules. Now, the new little segment we'll do here is the Fantastic Four. Okay. I like this. I like where this is going. 
Look at that sexy bitch. That's an insane parlay I'm seeing. Gamblers plus 475. Michigan Panthers plus 275. The Edmonton Elks plus 150. The Ottawa Redbacks plus 375. That is disgusting. I mean, if that hits. There's no way it hits. That's disgusting. I love it. If that hits, I'm going to go down to Canton on the 4th of July weekend and just get completely hammered with you and our new BFF of Spring Fever, Mr. J.W. Jabroni Williams. Oh, dude, it's going to be... I'm... If that hits, I, I, I will be there, dude. That's insane. I will... Oh, God. Okay, I'll do my own. I'm going to do Hamilton, okay. Edmonton, the Gamblers, and that's it. I'm just going to do a terrific threesome, a terrific triple. I kind of like terrific threesome better. Yeah, I like terrific threesome better. It's, it's uh, 29 to 1. Okay, all right. All right, so Jim, Jim, Jim's parlay is the Elks, the Gamblers, and the, the Tiger Cats. Cats. Yeah. Mine my fab fantastic four is going to be the gamblers, the Panthers, the Elks and the Ottawa Redbacks. That's that's bold. And if that you know hits, what, I'm going to say this right now, if that hits, you could tout the rest of the year. Well, dude, I'm going to be picking up our bar tab in Canton, dude. I, oh I yeah, be, you are. I'm coming to Canton if that bad boy hits. Oh god, now I hope it hits. Dude, dude, that would be an epic weekend, dude. Epic. That'd be epic. Hitting a 250 to 1 odds parlay. Dude, Uncle Rico's done some crazy stuff, dude. I want and, it. I want it now. I mean, let's let's just do it. Let's just do it. Bombs over Baghdad, as my boys and outcasts say. Um, you know, we're in the middle of this game here. Um for the first half. What are your two big takeaways from the game between Montreal and Calgary? Quick start, uh, as I suspected for this game, at least, the over is looking very much in sight. Bombs left and right. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell's back. His arm, He's not injured whatsoever. In fact, he's overthrowing receivers like crazy. And like you said earlier, swings, swings, swings. The game can swing on a dime in the CFL. It goes so fast. All it takes is a couple two and outs. That's right, two and outs, people. And... Uh, like you lose, you lose so much time because the other team just like they'll march down the field. Now with Montreal's running back going down, how does that affect them long term? I think they're all right. Their backup's really good. It does change the dynamics of their team a little bit, but yeah, it hurts. It definitely hurts. I feel like this guy they have at backup is good enough to kind of like plug the holes and be a solid stand-in, but he's not going to be as dynamic, which does hurt the team because running backs in the CFL are, are, in my opinion, more important than in a league like the NFL where you only have two downs. So when you choose to run, you have to get good yardage. You have to. That one run he had was insane. I mean, that one long one he had was good. No, he's good. He is good. Um, Jim, thank you for coming on. You know, let's get back to this game. Hopefully the uh, Calgary uh, Stampeders can uh, make a little bit of a comeback when uh, Uncle Jim, Uncle Rico some money. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on the good old social media? 
You guys can find me on Twitter at XFL Jim. You can find me on YouTube, XFL Jim. Got my buddy Uncle Rico that comes in at, like once a week. It's on YouTube. Spring Fever, baby. You can find me at BTV. And you can find me now. I actually do a podcast with Sports Gambling Podcasts called the CFL Gambling Podcast. So you know I got my CFL shit on lock, baby. Game on over. point. Let's make some money. Make sure you give Jim a follow. You know what? What? Oh. Big news, big, big, big news starting next week. The best right. college football conference in America. You and I are going to start our weekly previews. We're going to be previewing a little action. So every week, Jim and I are going to be previewing, previewing a college football conference. We're starting out with the Conference of Champions. The MAC, the best, the, the most entertaining conference. So we'll be starting out with that. Give out some futures, over-unders, always some good stuff. I'm really looking forward to that. We will talk. I think that's going to come out Tuesday. We will talk then, my friend. Hell yeah, we will. I want to thank Jim for coming on. Guys, please make sure you're following at XFL Jim on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, everything. Guy's great. Knows his stuff. Put out one of the best videos I've seen hyping the CFL today. Phenomenal dude. You know, I've gotten to know him a lot over the last month. Make sure you give him a like, a follow on all social media. That's it for today's podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. I appreciate the support. Make sure you give me a like, comment, follow me on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, anything. I appreciate like, subscribe. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. Make special thank you to all this week's guests, XFL Jim, Brandon, Boston Boy 83, my boy Gino, thanks for tuning in, guys. Like I said, like, subscribe. Until next week, boys and girls.